He might actually be the most derivative one of all. I mean, Christ, the same house. Maybe so. But you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie. Never answer the- I'm bored. Wait! Welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking, you're a jerk-off, so jerk off. We're talking, female hyenas have their own mock penis. And we're talking, that chick spreads like peanut butter. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we're talking, the profile doesn't fit the profile. (laughs) (laughs) And this case is closed. Closed! Like, Joe, every trailer, every TV spot for this movie had Sandra Bullock screaming, the profile doesn't fit the profile. And so when I finally heard it in this rewatch, I was like, Mm -hmm. it was like I was transported back 21 years to 2002. (laughs) Delightful. Yes. Good old Sandy B trying desperately to prove she's not just a rom-com queen. She's... Whatever this is. Yes. Uh, and what this is, everyone, is Barbet Schroeder's uh, He of Single White Female fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murder by Numbers. The Leo- kind of a Leopold. I mean, it is. It's Leopold it is. We're doing it again. Yeah. So yes. if y'all don't know what that is or who those people are, um, go listen to our episode on Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Indeed. Or... Our episode on Scream, because it's based on the same idea. Yeah, there's a, I mean, well, that's more loosely based, although there's actually, this is the, I want to say the fourth, like, straight, more straightforward adaptation of the property. Property, oh my god, the real life events. Mm-hmm. See also Compulsion and Swoon. Yes, that's it. But, 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 before we get too deep into this, because it already sounds like we're pretty passionate about this, Joe, uh, <laughs> let's bring in our two guests who are waiting in the wings. And everyone, they are the hosts of Kill by Kill, a podcast in which they unpack all the gory details of horror cinema's least discussed topics, the characters, as well as uh, room decorations and lawn adornments. You may mm-hmm. also remember them from our episodes on The Quiet, Witchboard, and Batman and Robin. Please welcome back... Patrick Hamilton and Gina Radcliffe. Hello. Greetings and salutations, horror queer nation. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, uh, murder by numbers. Welcome. (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah, this is the first rewatch. Uh, I did see this in theaters and I was less high this time, but I (laughs) did miss a lot. The first watch mainly Having to do with what Ryan Gosling is wearing, which yes. we will have, we have to discuss. Uh, I can't wait to discuss baby sex worker. <laughs> <laughs> An emphasis on the baby. He is a fetus in this. So young. Yes. So, young. So, young. so young. I had to look it up because I was like, how close to breaker high is this? And <laughs> I don't know if breaker high was an American thing at all, no. but it was basically high school students who went to high school on a luxury cruise liner so every episode was them like getting off the boat and going and having sexy misadventures but then also having to learn high school shit and he's the only person who made it out of that one season wonder alive oh one season one i was like high school on a boat that Mm -hmm. honestly anything on a boat automatically makes it better (laughs) yeah it was very like canadian mickey mouse club which makes sense because he was also on the mickey mouse club sure yeah. But that was 97, 98. So, you know, he was practically grown by now. He was on the cusp of the notebook. <laughs> oh, God. Did, did he have the same haircut in Breaker High than he has here? Because there, there seems to be a fascination by somebody uh, on the production side that they need to make his, his head rounder. 
Like mm-hmm. he needs to be a teen peanuts character. <laughs> and his head does not work around. His head is a as a nice sexy rectangle. And when you <laughs> add curves to it, it doesn't fucking work as well. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I realized I misspoke. Tyler Labine was also in Breaker High. Oh. So I guess he had the rounder, spikier anime hair, and yeah. Ryan Gosling was just like a nerd. Of course. He was a nerd. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. He's so unattractive. Just what is the male version of glasses and a ponytail? Glasses and whatever this is <laughs> basically whatever michael pitt is doing in this movie oh speaking of hair by the way jesus fucking christ i rarely do you see men with curtain bangs i was gonna say it's, he's got oh. that he's got that hair flap love the hair <laughs> flap but i kind of feel like michael pitt just looks the same all the he time does. he does he just right like he's in this is around the same time that he did hedwig and the angry inch Yes. And so basically the, the main difference is he's like wearing eye makeup and leather pants and that. But other than mm-hmm. that, he looks exactly the same and has like the same kind of like persona, like very awkward and, and you know, you know, you know, I'm sexy, but I'm going to pretend that I don't know I'm sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sexy baby. Yeah, sexy, oh. sexy baby. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. That's the thing. Like, it, 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 <laughs> like no shade in any shape, way, or form to Michael Pitt. There's just something about him that I find so incredibly off-putting that I, it just kind of he creeps me out. Which makes sense as to why he keeps getting these types of roles. Yeah, no, he. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I get that, and it doesn't help that in real life he's apparently yeah. gone off the rails pretty badly at some point. So, oh, uh, fun. Yeah, he had an episode during the during the pandemic, and I mean, who's among us? I, I will just elaborate in tw- in July of 2022. So it wasn't even really during the pandemic. I mean, it was still during it, but it wasn't at, like the height of it. Um, right. He was arrested and charged with assault and petty larceny after allegedly hitting another man multiple times and taking his phone. Then in September of that same year, he was hospitalized and deemed emotionally disturbed after being accused of throwing items at people from the rooftop of a building. So, I mean, I hope he has found some kind of medical help. Absolutely. But speaking of all of that, um, this is the third entry in our Toxic Masculinity <laughs> Month. <laughs> yes. Folks, this is the soft entry. We thought we would hit you real hard with the first two entries, and we might hit you hard again with the last one. But this is the soft one. Which is really surprising because, and I'll kind of go into more detail about this like when I'm doing my production history, but a lot of like the interviews and reviews I've had at the time were talking about how, oh, this film has really dark, like, dark subject matter. And I was like, it does, mm-hmm. but it's not... Like, I don't think this is a very graphic film. No. No, and there's so many routes they could have taken that would have Mm -hmm. made it darker, and then they just kind of went with the very basic late 90s, early 2000s murder mystery. Well, yes. Where the, the, you know, the, 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 the twist on it is, well, there's some homoeroticism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Courtesy of Leopold and Loeb. Yes. I don't know. I I think this is such a fascinating time capsule because in some ways this feels so early 2000s because it's giving off late 90s vibes. But I was thinking, you know, we were doing these kinds of movies like we had Angelina Jolie and the Bone Collector. We had Kiss the Girls with Ashley Judd. We were anticipating the harder anti-heroin note that we were anticipating with the second season of True Detective, which you can kind of see this like, oh, hard drinking cop 
who is also really fucking good at her job, but emotionally she's a giant nightmare. Actually, I'm really glad you brought up like Kiss the Girls and like and Bone Collector stuff like that because yeah, this does feel like a relic of those late '90s like female driven thrillers, like where they wanted the cop, but. This is also the time where those are kind of like going out of vogue. Like we haven't gotten yes. quite to 2004's Twisted, like Ashley Judd's last round in that subgenre of films. Mm. But we're definitely heading there. But when I was watching this, I think I think ultimately my disappointment, outside of the script issues, because I do think there are two interesting movies here that are at war with each other, and therefore neither one of them winds up being particularly thrilling or good. <laughs> but I don't think Schroeder... I, I don't think it's shot very well. Like, this is very blandly shot, and it's kind it's of boring. Yeah, well, it's visually it, boring. But it's interesting to read them talk about it at the time because they really thought they were doing something along the lines of Hitchcock's rope. A lot of like people involved with the movie, not critics or people that saw it, but people involved with the movie <laughs> kept saying, yeah, it's very Hitchcocky, and the camera angles are all wild and stuff. And I was like, mm. what? What camera angles? <laughs> yeah, it's like, are they though? <laughs> or is it that we're super super jaded now because we've seen the progression of actual envelope pushing that you know comes in the wake of something like this i i think that was one of the things i struggled with is was this novel at the time and we're now just jaded or is it like no they were high on their own supply yeah it's not like it's in the cut like in the cut is oh my god in the yeah yeah yeah. this is not yeah i remember i mean i do i don't think i I didn't see this in the theater but i do remember when it came out i don't remember anybody making a big deal out of you know it's edginess or or anything like that it it just kind of you know made a brief little came. you know poof it went on the yeah you know it didn't really do much either way in ways and this is gonna sound like worse than i actually mean it but like it, this honestly feels sometimes like a high budget tv movie mm-hmm. yeah, no, i can mm-hmm. see that you could imagine lifetime putting this out very easily it's it's glossy you know uh, it's it's warm tones. It's very brown. Yeah, they they well, they, ta- they tastefully cut away during the sex scenes. Oh, thank heavens, God. <laughs> well, wait. Actually, I, I have a qu- before I really get into this though. I have a question for y'all. Um, if you don't know already, what is the budget for this film? Oh, I had to look it up, and I was shocked. Yep. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that's going to two sources, and the rest of that is just filming on location but one Mm. what there are two big sources of where that money's going sandra bullock being one of them right yes yeah Yeah. what's the other one i think it is to get barbara schroeder even though he is a journeyman but he's coming back into thrillers here and Mm -hmm. regardless of my feelings of like kiss of death which i there's no amount of bench pressing hot chicks that makes that film worthwhile (laughs) and and desperate measures is truly a is even more inessential than this but like reversal of fortune and single white female are fucking great movies and i i feel like at this time they're like all he needs is like a subject matter and a star Mm -hmm. to really make this saying and you put him together with sandra bullock and you got a stew going, baby. And then you're like, wah, wah. well, it's interesting because I, I, I in my research, I came across Eliza Schwarzbond's uh, review from Entertainment Weekly back in the day. And she was like, 
You know, it's interesting. She says exactly what I said. She, there's two different films here, and it's very clear which one the film, or I'm sorry, it's very clear which one Schroeder finds much more interesting, and it's the stuff with the two boys. Mm. Unfortunately, Bullock, who's doing the best she can with this role, sure. has the least interesting backstory subplot imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is it's like they, they keep, you know, they, they, they pull their punches and everything at the last minute. Like, you know, they want you to think that that Sandra Bullock, she just she is so fucked up, man. She's so fucked up from this this abusive relationship she was in. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's Sandra Bullock and it's really hard to dislike her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. she sort of feels like this very much feels like a put on this, you know, tough gal who, you know, she, you know, she doesn't want to launch her relationship. She just want to, want to work her way through the through her male co-workers. And she doesn't <laughs> want she doesn't know what to make of this partner who, you know, doesn't want to fuck. He wants to make love. And, you know, she doesn't she doesn't she, she, doesn't, she doesn't know she doesn't know how to handle that. And then you've got like, but, you know, you, you don't buy it from her because, you know, she's Sandra Bullock. She's sweet. Uh, and she's funny. I, I, I just I, I do buy it from her, actually. I, I think what's the least interesting part about her is just this backstory that the film seems to think we don't predict from minute one, and it teases out the reveals throughout this movie's entire two-hour-long runtime. Uh, yes. Not exactly. Yeah. We reveal that she is the woman in the sepia-toned flashbacks at minute 50. Sure, but then we're still like... We're still dealing with it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we got to deal with it. But, like, the problem is that we can't, like, I wish this movie was just about her and or, or, or about just the about the case. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. and, and, right. and as far as, like, pulling punches, you know, you, you've got all this, you know, you, uh, uh, you can't even call it uh, uh, undertones happening between um, the two boys. They're very much overtones. Mm-hmm. But, like, <laughs> you know, you've got this, you know, the scene where, like, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Richard, is is upset that uh, is Justin is the other boy. Is that yeah. The, is, you know, had a date with this girl. And in, you know it's not that he's jealous because he wants the girls, because he wants Justin. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, if this movie was made now, they at least would have smooched or something. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Like, there's yeah. so many opportunities where you just say, just fucking kiss. Right. You don't have to murder kill. Like, he's you literally, can like, kiss. has him up against a wall and, like, just kind of, you know, looking him up and down like, you know, a ham sandwich. And it's like, and then he's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. It's like, oh, come on, just do it. but we didn't do it in 2002 like you're 100 percent right if we made this movie 20 years 10 years even i think we would have had even just a kiss so watching it now it's like oh that's kind of cute these boys trying to pretend they're not hot for each other (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're affluent white boys yeah how could they possibly deviate (laughs) from the norm they have to just murder somebody randomly that's the only explanation for it had to aggressively murder people with their bare hands to to you know (laughs) work out this you know this strange tension they just they don't they they don't understand it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well okay okay so we're diving all the way into this already but let me tell you i don't have like a ton of how this came to be but um i will say that most of my information comes from two interviews with sandra bullock the week of release and they're both you know press interviews so it's kind of cookie cutter shit but right you know uh, there's not really any information about this movie anywhere else because there's not a blu-ray of this movie really (laughs) that's surprising wild we're lucky it's on streaming because if not it would probably be hard to find i mean there is a dvd but yeah it's like how hasn't warner archives put this out already the is the demand there 
you know what? We're going to change that rate now, Patrick. <laughs> We're really selling it, and I, I bet know. everyone's want to get, a, yeah, get whoever, on board Whoever's now. left on Twitter, you do, you know, hashtag murder, you, murder by numbers blue. Well, that, that, that's, I, I think at the end of the day, like I wound up giving this three stars out of five. I'm probably leaning more two and a half, because at the end of the day, I think this movie is mostly just a big shrug. It's not, I almost wish it were aggressively bad, so it would be more entertaining to watch. Right, yeah, I agree. Yeah. The movie needs more baboon attacks. And then, the then you're fuck. really working with something. <laughs> the ba- oh my god, that baboon. And it never comes back. <laughs> it just it just bites her. It's like, well, hey, there's a baboon in this uh this 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 <laughs> storage this storage bin. The baboon gets a taste of our lead actress, right? Mm-hmm. There could not be anyone hotter than her in, in this pocket. And yet it gets one taste and it's like, you know what? I can tell. That's all you needed. You just need the one bite. I'm going to be over here. Well, she's been drinking so much. The blood alcohol was probably off the charts. All of that domestic beer. They needed to make her look more like an alcoholic in this movie. You taste like Cheryl Crow sounds and then it just runs away. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So yeah, this is all from interviews with Bullock. Um, also, she just for anyone who maybe wasn't um in like movie world in 2002, Sandra Bullock was huge at this. I mean, she was already huge in the late 90s, but like she's mm-hmm. still like, you know, trucking along. Um, so she was really busy during this time. So while she was doing the press stuff for this movie, she was in New York filming Two Weeks Notice with Hugh Grant, that rom-com. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the, uh, as that wrap, she had to start her press tour for The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, which um like this movie also received middling reviews but did much better at the box office but was a huge book and Mm -hmm. could not have been a bigger property with the potential of being you know something that was huge yeah well and then two weeks notice comes out in christmas so we've got this yaya sisterhood and two weeks notice is like all in 2002 for the year of bullock that's a a good year Mm -hmm. yeah i would argue that all of these movies are middling, but sure. <laughs> interestingly enough, though, um, Sandra Bullock did not seek out Murder by Numbers. The studio, Castle Rock, sent it to her. And this was the second of three films in a row that she had done with Castle Rock. Uh, the other two being Miss Congeniality and, of course, the upcoming Two Weeks Notice. But in these interviews, I noticed that we again have this debate that's kind of adjacent to the horror versus thriller because people mm. were asking her a lot, you know, oh, why were you doing this movie? Why aren't you doing another rom-com? And I'm kind of like... I mean, she did thrillers a lot before she started doing rom-coms, I feel like. You know, she's got Speed, she's got The Net. Um, what else was in the 90s? It was like a thriller. <laughs> Forces of Nature. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a, hor- that's, a hor- that's a horror movie. <laughs> I mean, Ben Affleck is, yeah. I saw that in theaters, and I, oh, I was probably 10 when that came out, and I was so fucking bored. And then it ends with, like, one of the few rom-coms in history to not have the couple get together. People were pissed. Oh, I was pissed! Um, but anyway, so but people are asking, you know, why are you doing this? And she's like, oh, you know, um, A, Castle Rock handed me this script. I didn't seek it out. But what attracted me to it was that it was more of a psychological thriller. It wasn't an action thriller, um, not something that has those more exciting tools to propel the story, but something that was truly an unwinding of the mind, which she apparently finds much more thrilling. And I get it. And I think that might have played better on paper than how than the execution we get. Yeah, I'm wondering in the hands of somebody with a bit more visual flair, if this movie could have come alive in a different way. Mm. 
Well, she says, you know, she's like, oh, well, Murder by Numbers goes back to the Hitchcock era. It's old filmmaking where you rely on a camera move or what's not said to instill fear or tension. And Castle Rock has always been dynamic like that. And so they knew she was looking for it. And they were like, hey, you know, we have this script. It's uh, it's different from what you normally play. We think you'll like it. They found out that Barbara Schroeder, he of, again, single white female fame, had read the script and liked it. So they met. They were like, oh, my God, match made in heaven. Done deal. And she even comes on as, as executive producer. Um, a title she had only held once before on 1998's Hope Floats. Ooh, that was a big bomb. <laughs> it does not does not speak volumes for her producing credit. <laughs> she was a producer on Miss Congeniality as well, just not an executive producer. There you go. There well, we go. Okay, that's Much that's better. that's that's a redemption there. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I've never seen Hope Floats. My husband loves that movie, and since we met thirteen. 13 years ago, he has been trying to get me to watch Hope Floats. <laughs> oh, there you go. You should watch it and report I, back. I will one day. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. It's just like, I've just never been interested, but sure. I digress. Um, the script is written by Tony Gayton, who was a relative newcomer at the time, but had another film, uh, the neo-noir The Sultan Sea, come out this exact same year. He hasn't know. written a lot of films since, but he would go on to create the AMC series Hell on Wheels. Uh, I've never seen that. Oh, yeah, that's the Western. Yeah, but I didn't know that the, the female lead in it is um, Lola from The Loved Ones. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Ooh. Or at least she's in it. Like, she's in, like, 50 episodes of the 56. Okay. I mean, not sizable. That made 56 episodes good for Hell on Wheels. Uh, And it's AMC, so it's probably, like, 10 episode seasons. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the key elements of the script, of course, is that Bullock's character, Detective Cassie Mayweather, always started as a female. So I think someone could watch this and be like, wow, it sounds like this was a man that they just said, hey, we're going to cast a female in this role. And that wasn't the case. Mm, Okay. Most of what was in the original script did end up on screen. uh, But Bullock says her character was written um, 75% to 80% of the way she is in the film until they started researching battered women's syndrome. Um, Bullock admits that this was really hard to digest, but the research um, that they did and including talking to people psychologists um, survivors things like that they fleshed out her character a bit more arguably made her somewhat uh, more difficult to like even though I'd argue that she is an empathetic character but that might just be the Sandra Bullock of it all yeah that's, mm-hmm. um, that's what I'm saying yeah it's I, I'm not sure if she was the without you know despite that she does give a good performance I'm not sure if she was the right actor for this part I also feel like the dynamic of her unpleasantness is not interesting. It is simply rote. There's a there's a complex thing that that they try to get across of her underplaying things or, or really fronting her the attitude that she uh, doesn't find other people's ideas worth much, mm-hmm. and she kind of comes off like Dennis Miller without the. <laughs> College for Dummies references. Well, I th- I think, and I, I I know some people are like, oh, like you know, show versus tell, whatever. But I think we needed to see her doing some really shady shit. Yes. Yeah. If, if, again, if this had been made later, I actually think they would have leaned into her unlikability. I think this is falling. I mean, this is light, right? As Gina said, I think this is a pretty soft representation of an unlikable female protagonist who's got some hard quote unquote edges to her. 
But I think if we were seeing this later, they would have actually leaned into it. But here she just comes off as kind of difficult and a little narcissistic. Yeah, well, they they like one like what I think it was like the DA or something says to uh, Ben Chaplin's character, "Oh, why do you, why do you think she never mm-hmm. has any? She never keeps her partners." And it makes it sound like and before they make it sound like, it's like oh well, you know, she never keeps her partners because she sleeps with them. And it's yeah. like, okay, I, I don't think most men are going to quit working with someone that he has slept with. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I guess it's supposed to be because she's nasty and, you know, you know, as soon as she sleeps with you, she starts treating you badly afterwards. But they don't really put that across. The only, the only thing they keep emphasizing is, well, she sleeps around with, with the men that she works with. So it's like, big deal. Who cares? Admittedly, I don't work in the police force or in any form of law enforcement. You but don't? Is it is it <laughs> common practice for people to fuck their partners and not get transferred out of the district or like get a new not. job or get fired or have any kind of repercussions whatsoever? I mean, I don't think they. I don't think they get fired. Like they, I mean, maybe they. I, I have to assume it happens, you know, on occasion. Where is the HR attendant in this yes. movie? <laughs> oh, they don't have one in this small town. No, Absolutely they've got not. a DA, they've got a captain, and they've got two cops, and yeah. then a whole bunch of forensic analysis, apparently. I mean, there's there's literally n- almost no difference outside of the fact that this other film I'm going to reference is more dynamic. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like someone ordered up a Sandra Bullock movie, but they're like, get me one of those Bruce Willis and striking distance types of movies mm. and put Bullock in there because like she's a drunk. She's got a past tinge with violence. Mm-hmm. She's not that great at giving foot jobs. She lives right. on a houseboat. <laughs> it's perfect. It's exactly yeah. what Bruce Willis is in striking distance, including sleeping with your fucking partner. It's the exact same fucking movie. I can't mm-hmm. help but think, though, and I say this seems like this feels like a big budget TV movie is because this would have been at the height, maybe the height, but like like really high popularity for CSI, which would have premiered two years before this came out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mm-hmm. see a lot of that show like in this movie. And when, again, when you read these interviews, they're talking about the forensic stuff. And I was like, yes. oh, yeah, that's old news. But I guess maybe in 2002, like it was it just was hot. It was so popular at the time. It is very hot at the time. There's a lot. There's close ups of people dusting for prints mm-hmm. and using you. UV rays and oh that extreme yeah. close-up over the body is refining oh, the yeah. threads i was yeah, like yeah. oh my god csi <laughs> <laughs> i have expected david caruso to come out and be like there's been a murder <laughs> <laughs> sunglasses on everybody we found a body <laughs> well so what was also going on at the time though were conversations about violence in the media so it's important that while Murder by Numbers was released just three years, almost to the day after the Columbine shootings, um, it was less than a year after the September 11th attacks. So right. a, a lot of articles and interviews I found from 2002 discussed the graphic nature of the film, including asking Bullock if the studio pressured the production to ease up on any of the more disturbing content, to which Bullock said, no. Um, also, they suggested we do more, which I would okay. agree with. <laughs> yeah, they should have. Yeah. In hindsight, it's like it could have used a little more juice. Yeah. The entertainment industry at this time had come under fire for producing films, video games, and TV shows that glorified violence. Um, Some parent groups and legislators had even gone so far as to say that the media inspired some young audience members to commit acts of savagery, um, as was the case with the Columbine shootings. Get fucked. (laughs) So, okay, this is kind of a long, not a long, it's it's a quote from Bullock, but when asked about her thoughts about how this film relates to that, Bullock said, 
You can dissect this and wonder what soapbox we are getting on, but it's essentially about something that's been going on for thousands of years, but now is very topical because of things like Columbine, even though we initially based this film on Leopold and Loeb. I think we have a tendency to skirt the issue and whitewash things and sweep them under the carpet. You need to put a face, a human being with feelings and complexities, and I think once you have that, it becomes far more disturbing where you can't ignore it, where you really need to look at what's making this happen. Is it the media? Is it video games? Is it the upbringing? Is it school? What is the cause? So I think that is something about the film that is very topical and not glorified, which I loved. Um, she also thinks there's a, a, some social messaging in the film, specifically with spousal abuse, which also drew her to the project. And I would argue those things are here. They're just not really developed enough. No, because as you say, as you say, there's two different movies happening here. I do love that quote, though, because if you take out the idea that she's talking about violence and put in that she's talking about queerness, it's like we're talking about something that's been here forever, but now we're only starting to explore it. <laughs> this is really avant-garde. It's like. Yeah, yeah, we get that. Well, filming took place from February through May of 2001. So we're, we're shooting before 9-11, and I have to believe this might have been delayed um, in the wake of 9-11, but maybe not. Um, but the production seemed relatively chill. But to lighten the atmosphere amidst the film's darker material, and I wanted to bring this up, not because it's super pertinent, but because I feel like we've already shat on Bullock a bit, and I don't want anyone to think that we don't like Sandra Bullock. I adore Sandra Bullock. This movie oh, is yeah. just not She's the great. best use of her talents. But she's kind of awesome. Um, so she had barbecue flown in from Texas and hired massage therapists and acupuncturists to work on the cast and crew. And this is something I didn't know about her, but it made me respect her a lot more than I already do. But she started offering the perks to her crew when all she could afford were Starbucks runs in the early 90s, noting, actors get such ridiculous perks that you might as well make some of those perks benefit everybody. Um, mm. She goes on to say, if you take care of your crew, they will go the extra hour. They will make the shot work. They come up with some of the best ideas if you go, hey, Hey, this isn't working. What's not working? If you give them these perks and everyone's in a good mood, they'll do this stuff for you. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yes. So is this a is this a glib time for me to talk about how she was giving extra perks to one of her co-stars? I was, gonna, I was you, Joe, you read my mind. I was going to say the, the 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 funnest bit of trivia of all is is uh, is what is this is where the movie where she met and started dating for a while a fetal Ryan Gosling. It's <laughs> Okay, wait, what is their age difference? <laughs> it's a 16-year age difference. He was 21, she was 37. I don't remember this. Oh, I do, I do. They no, they, they, they dated for a little while. It was two years, apparently. And he has a tendency to date his female co-stars. So he dates Rachel McAdams on The Notebook. He dates uh, Eva Mendez and then later marries her on that Pine whatever Place movie the that pines, they made. I think oh it's my called. god, what yeah. yeah. Did she did she date Ryan Reynolds during the the proposal or was that did they not she have did. a thing? Yes, it, it might have been it might have been a publicity relationship. Who's to mm. say? But uh, she absolutely did in the press propose that, that they were dating for a significant portion of time. That okay. is one of I I really like that movie of hers because again. She, she plays when she does these rom coms. She plays a lot, the same character a lot. They're sometimes neurotic. Mm -hmm. They're some. They always have. It's typical rom com stuff, right? But I, yeah. I like that they try to make her a bitch in the proposal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she she loses the facade about after Act One, I think. But I still like it. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that she is doing a reasonable job here. But as you said, Gina, the problem is that she is so inherently likable that sometimes the darkness just doesn't come in right. because you're looking at her like oh it's sandra bullock right like we love i her. would like i would have liked to have seen what like i don't know 
Meg Ryan would have done with this role. Because she's well, she's good at having that kind of sunny persona, but you know, there's something a little weird going on, you know, you know, under that. Well, that's in the cut, Jim. Right, I know, yeah. I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking but but she wasn't a cop in that. Right. Yeah, she's the Femme Patel. And actually, if folks want to hear Gina and I talk about that movie, we do discuss it on White Ladies We do. And I will say I've never seen it, but I blind bought the Blu-ray, so I it do is, own it. Actually, it, really it, fucking good. It is good. very good, uh, very intense. Uh, Mark Ruffalo has a porn stash in it that, that I have oh my God. very strong feelings about. Yes, everyone and their dog would ride that fucking <laughs> stash. Okay. I might cut this out, but just a little anecdote. So I, because I was a religious reader of Entertainment Weekly, um, you know, back in the day, and I remember I, I know I didn't know who Jane Campion was, so I had no like reference point for that. But the it was like the summer or fall movie preview of Entertainment Weekly, and they were in the cut had a big feature on it, and mm-hmm. you know they're talking about oh like Meg Ryan's talking about dildos and stuff, and I was like thirteen, and I was like oh this sounds interesting, and I remember when it came out, Entertainment Weekly gave it an F, <laughs> and I was yeah. so it was surprised. very it was very I, I don't want to say it was Scandals. misunderstood at the time because i tell you it was yeah it's been reappraised yeah it's it's one of those movies that you know it's gotten a lot a lot better uh esteem a lot more esteem over time it's it's a it's a challenging movie but in a good way in a very Mm -hmm. interesting way yes that intrigues me so much it is definitely worth seeking out folks do not let those ratings or those reviews escape you all right well, um, back to Murder by Numbers. It was released in theaters on April 19th, 2002 against fellow newcomer uh, Chuck Russell's The Scorpion King. I, <laughs> that film opened in the number one spot um, with the Ben Affleck Samuel L. Jackson thriller Changing Lanes, which was in its second week of release, taking the number two spot. Murder by Numbers opened in the number three spot with 9.3 million, goes on to gross about 32 million domestically and 25 million internationally for a worldwide gross of 57 million. Um, I realized I didn't actually say the budget earlier. Yes. Folks, this had a budget of $50 million. Oh, boy. That was going to be hard to recoup with this. Where did it go? I mean, okay, I'm sorry. I know Patrick, you already told us where it went. <laughs> it went in Sandra Bullock's pocket. Yeah, I mean, how much did Sandra Bullock make, right? That is the question. She did buy a lot of barbecue. She did. She bought $25 million (laughs) worth of barbecue. I'm going to say high end. Her salary was $20 million. And I don't even think it was that much. Because that's what, like, Jim Carrey was getting paid in the 90s. But she Uh, was opening films. That's the thing. Like, there's an era where movie stars were back baby and she was one of those people yeah it was like her and julia roberts were like were like you know they they were both like guaranteed openers Mm -hmm. yes and i assume by putting her in tv commercials saying the profile doesn't fit the profile (laughs) what does that that even mean I think we all know what it means. And the fact that you're denying that the profile doesn't fit the profile means you're part of the profile problem. Anyway, but yeah, so uh, it, I mean, it wasn't a flop, but it definitely wasn't a success. Uh, yeah. Critical reception was negative overall, but it wasn't like this was a bombed film. Like, it wasn't panned. It was mostly just, again, a lot of shrugs. We're looking mm-hmm. at a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 5.3 out of 10. Letterboxd users have given it a 5.8 out of 10. Again, 
it's just it's there. You'll probably forget this the day it's after. It's a you it's a it. what I would call an it's fine movie. Yeah. Yes. You know what? If you're a little hungover and you don't want to get into bed, you want to put something on that's easy to digest. Um, mm-hmm. it would be this one, which is weird given the subject matter we're dealing it's a, with. Yeah, it's definitely a, like a TNT Saturday afternoon movie. At yes. This yes. You can fall asleep during parts of it because you're too hungover, and then you wake up in time to get like either hair of the dog or maybe something to eat. Well, okay, but when I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, they have the blurbs, and one of them was from that Common Sense Media that does, like, the, the ratings oh God, for, like... No. <laughs> well, and so it's like, this Sandra Bullock movie is definitely not for children. And I was like, well, A, it's rated R, of course not. <laughs> but B, this is a very... Like, this is borderline PG-13 to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the goriest it gets is they have, like, a close-up of, like, a cut-off finger. That's, like, that's, mm-hmm. like, the most gruesome it gets, I think. But even with language, I, I think maybe Gosling is like, did you fuck her? And that probably earned it the R rating. Yeah, he he says fucking slut at one point. Jesus. <laughs> Which is like, Ryan Gosling, Canadian national treasure for uttering such horrible I will say, though, okay, you know, because you, you use the peanut butter line to open the episode, Joe, and mm-hmm. there's something about the way he delivers that line. It sounds like he has a mouth full of peanut butter when he delivers that line. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. So weird. All right. All right. What happens in this very long movie? Yes, this movie is two, two hours. hours. And it has no and, business and it, being and two it, and hours. it feels it. It is slow. It is a slow film. Okay, so we open with an aerial shot over some rocky water before pushing in on a derelict Gerbal's cottage that is hanging over the bluffs, and we've got two boys who are cementing a death pact. Joe, what do you think about this in media res opening? Uh, here's the thing. I don't mind this because I think one of the things the film believes it's doing that's very novel and adventurous is that it's telling us who the killers are and then it catches us up on what happens at the end of the film with all the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So I kind of don't mind this. Uh- I wouldn't mind it if we wouldn't have this suicide. If it was just something else about how they were the killers. But I don't like this is just teasing us about, oh, yeah, we're we're building up to they're going to kill themselves, but clearly not. Well, but this isn't the scene at the end of the film. Yeah, it is. No, because when Ryan Gosling calls Michael Pitt, he says we had an agreement. So I read this as the agreement before they decide to actually murder anyone. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's because it's them killing. It's them holding a gun to themselves. And then we cut to black as gunshots are heard, which is the gunshot. That's, the- their, that's their ritual. Their ritual is to recite this edict that crime and suicide is something you have to accept in society to be truly free this is their raison d'etre for what they're about to do oh my god y'all literally literally i have seen this movie three times (laughs) every time (laughs) i thought it was the climax of the movie before sandra bullock comes and you know we have the fight on the on the balcony of this house well they're repeating the same thing so it's a reasonable assumption it's it's like a it's like a like a like a a teaser? Would that be the right word for it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be right, Trace, because the gunshot is the sort of telling thing. So I imagine we're going to hear from a bunch of people who are like, no, dum-dums, this is the all final those, all scene. Those, all and those it is murder by number rest. heads out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh, sidebar, we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge that the song Murder by Numbers does not appear in this movie. Okay. And it is a huge fucking mistake. Okay, here's the thing. I, I didn't I don't know music, obviously. Mm-hmm. I only know that song because of Joe, you know what it is. 
Oh, don't make me guess. Oh my god, copycat! There's a whole scene devoted to that because whenever the copycat yes. does the Son of Sam murder, he leaves a note with the lyrics to Murder by Numbers. So yes. there's a whole scene where Holly Hunter plays it for all the cops in the office. Okay, so sidebar to my sidebar, addending <laughs> on that, addending, addend, addending, Um this movie reminds me of copycat but like a pale yeah i thought that like too. imagine if holly hunter was in oh, this yeah exactly Ugh. or sigourney weaver oh my god yes i okay again again i maintain the issue here is not bullock no, the it issue isn't. is the script it isn't. It's, it's it's she's just she's not doing a bad job she's just the wrong actor for this part it's not no it's they, not her they fault they can't find ways to communicate what they want that character to be mm-hmm. and so at times she just appears to be not into it when it's her character just rebuffing all the men who doubt her mm-hmm. when she does her job very, very well. And it comes off poor. And then when she's seducing this wet rag of a man. <laughs> her uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. Patrick, I will interrupt you because I have to, I have to give, give this to Bullock. So... Talking about, oh, oh she, she's the aggressor in the sexual relationship, blah, 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 Um, Bullock offers nothing but props for her co-star Ben Chaplin, saying, Ben had the hardest character in a sense that this man was okay being boring. He said, <laughs> Good. I don't care. <laughs> he said, I don't care. He knew who he was, and Ben, as an actor, had to say, I want to play this role, the least flashy role in the entire film, and he embraced it. It is so commendable. That is a direct quote from Sandra Bullock. God God bless her for saying he was boring, and he he leaned into it. (laughs) (laughs) He he leaned so far into it, he never leaned out of it at any point in his career. I I, I think that he was really expending all of his energy into trying his hardest to do an American accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and slipping often, maybe every three words or so. Uh, that like he had nothing left for any kind of like you know chemistry or or no. or anything. Again, thinking about copycat, put Dermot Mulroney in. There this you role. go. There you go. Sure. Well, because like you can have a boring role, but you can have a charismatic actor. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they have to yes. like it. I I don't know if they're doing that to just kind of make it evident that she's just treating men like a conquest or if you're mm-hmm. supposed to think that they have some kind of chemistry because they don't oh they don't they do not no. No. um i would argue maybe in in the scene where they have where we don't see them have sex but like the the lead into that is a mm-hmm. little I, I i detect chemistry there not after that. like what he when she like puts her <laughs> foot in his crotch she's just like ooh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Me not into foot play. Sorry, sorry. You know, I, I realize you know you you can look you know, looking uncomfortable might be you know a, a an understandable reaction, but he just like ugh. He's not a Flintstone. He doesn't need feet to make it work. But when Patrick, <laughs> when when Sandra Bullock looks at him, all of a sudden she's a movie star. When she looks mm-hmm. at him like, hey, you want to fuck around? That is. 
no one would say no to this. Oh, yes. This is not a fucking dilemma. I'm sorry. The fact that she doesn't even... I don't think Sandra Bullock even says fuck in this movie once. And the fact that she doesn't say get over here and fuck me or something like that, just to give her some kind of an edge. <laughs> it's such a missed opportunity. <laughs> she's just making... She's mostly kind of making faces and, you know, flirty <laughs> eyes. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. She doesn't have to say fuck. She's Sandra Bullock and it just fucking works. Well, but... but and he is so... <laughs> I mean, I know he's a real person because I can't see through him. But if you told me that a Victorian ghost slept with a producer to get a role in this movie, I would believe you. How do you really feel? About <laughs> oh, it, it was, I had to go look up Ben Chapman's filmography to be like, what? I mean, I, I know the ben only Chapman, thing I like, the only thing I know him from is uh, I think he was in the movie The Truth About Cats and Dogs. He's the, yes. yes, he's the love interest in that, but he's not. He, he's the boring one in that movie. Yeah, too. I was gonna say I yeah, think he is boring. equally bland in that. He is yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm going back to this. This the way this film is shot. Do y'all the cinematographer for this movie? By the way, his name is Luciano Tavoli. Um, not only did he shoot a lot of Barbet Schroeder's films like Single White Female and Reversal of Fortune and Desperate Measures, he also shot <clears throat> the original Suspiria. What? what? And Tenebrae. Holy shit! <laughs> wow, what happened? Well, he he went on to film Dracula 3D for Jerry Argento. <laughs> so it's a real downward slide. I mean, sure, it levels out at a certain point, but then when you hit Dracula 3D and you're like, I don't know how mm -hmm. movies work is how that movie but comes off. Even like when, you, when you hear Tenebrae, aren't you like, where is that camera work in this mm -hmm. movie? You're talking about all the camera work and Hitchcockian styles. Where is that? <laughs> I mean, I don't think cinematographers are allowed to go off book entirely, though. So you have to imagine that's that true. He was, he was di directed, directed. Yeah, he was directed to do that kind of just really mm -hmm. dull cinematography. Oh, my God. Do you think it was like they pointed at the Sam guy and was like, match his performance with your cinematography. <laughs> do it as boring as possible. <laughs> I want the camera to represent him as an individual. And they're yes. like, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we come back to people who are doing better in their performances in this film? Mm -hmm. So we're introduced to nerdy Justin, who is played by Michael Pitt, and he is reading his Nietzschean philosophy. Mm. And he is reading his Nietzschean philosophy paper on the nature of evil before he is challenged by smug Richard Haywood, who was played by Ryan Gosling. And of course, we're also introduced here to Lisa, our female quote unquote love interest, played by <laughs> Agnes Bruckner. Man. This girl, poor Agnes Bruckner, um, she is one of the most forgettable actresses <laughs> I've ever seen in films. <laughs> So mean, but I don't disagree. I just, so Joe was like, this girl is like not very good. And I was like, it's Agnes Bruckner, you know, from Lucky McKee's The Woods or Blood and Chocolate or something else that I said. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to be the only person on earth who likes Venom. Oh, so, Venom, that's oh, the other there one. we go. Venom, yeah. right, Venom is really fun. Venom is very fun. But, but again, you don't walk out of that movie being like, man, Agnes Bruckner really nailed that yeah, final I don't even girl remember. Role. I'll starve tomorrow, yeah. Agnes Bruckner. No, not necessarily. But but she she might as well be Sandra Bullock in comparison to Ben Champlin in this movie. No, yeah. Yeah. 
So that's sort of our introduction to the kids, but then we hop back to the cottage later. So immediately we're establishing that the facade in the classroom is just that. And these two boys actually know each other, but like the homoeroticism is off the chart immediately between these two because Richard is threatening Justin, holding a gun at him, but he's got him by the neck like they're about to fucking French kiss. There's more chemistry between them in that classroom scene Mm -hmm. than there is between Sandra Bullock and Ben Chaplin for any of their scenes. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, he's just smirking at him and, like, just making eyes (laughs) and... and you know they're they're you know they're pretending they don't know each other but it's like come on come on come on you're mm-hmm. not fooling anybody you know michael pitt has an imprint of richard's ring on his cock <laughs> <laughs> or at least one butt cheek when he's grabbing him for the bj right <laughs> yes <laughs> you're grabbing too hard there is a problem with thumb rings and bjs it's just yes. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them when it comes to that. I was going to say, I don't think you're supposed to fold them, but, you know, what do I know? Maybe I've been taught wrong. I don't know. You do if you're doing it right, Gina. Are you talking about the penis? You're folding the penis? How does this work? I own one. I know how they work. (laughs) It's a travel dick. You roll it up, you put it in the suitcase, and off you go. But yeah, like, this is basically a date. We're drinking absinthe in front of the fireplace. We oh. might as well roll out a fucking bearskin rug and get down exactly. to business. Exactly. I, lo- I love the absinthe. I just, like, rolled my eyes. Of course, well, they drink absinthe. And it's huge. The portions were huge. Well, well, no, 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 oh, no, 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 So, so that, that, I, I just want to say, I appreciate that they were drinking absinthe correctly. Because yes. you're supposed to put a sugar cube on this spoon, slowly mm-hmm. pour water over it, which is called luching. That is the normal size pour after the absinthe has been luged. Because you have, like, what's a, basically a shot or two of absinthe, like the, the emerald green liquor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you put a bunch of sugar water in it, which is what makes the pour so big. And it turns it a cloudy green instead of an emerald green. Okay. Because otherwise, if you drink it without the sugar, it will melt your insides like turpentine. Oh, well, and he's saying that it has, like, the same – he's drinking the hallucinogenic one. Like, obviously, what you buy in the States now doesn't have hallucinogens in it. No. Yeah. Not legal. It, but it did make me throw up, like, the fucking exorcist. Ooh. I mean, it just tastes like boozy licorice. Yeah, I tried it yeah. once and made such a face that, like, my host just looked at me in pity. Just like, I'm like, <laughs> and it's expensive, so you don't want to waste Mm-mm. it. Well, because you you can get like the luge. You walk into like a prohibition, like like a craft cocktail bar, and you'll see the right. luges there. That's all. They're they're only there for absinthe drinks. But I will say, I like absinthe in a sense where it's an absinthe rinse of the glass like i drink sazeracs mm-hmm. which are like a yeah a whiskey glass but you, you just yeah. toss absinthe in there toss it around and toss the absinthe out and then pour your drink into it <laughs> <laughs> the one and only time i drank absinthe a lot and i'm sorry to name drop uh the reason for it was the chris cornell was drinking it at a bar Ooh. decided to buy it <laughs> for me thinking this square can't handle it and he was fucking right <laughs> chris cornell was right everyone talented musician and a wise man what is yes. he the lead singer of because i Sound only Garden. know him as um, Soundgarden and uh an audio slave would be the second god and I, he sang a james bond song well, that, that, that's the only reason I, I only know him from the casino royale soundtrack there you go yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so kill by kill, we're going to kick this over to you because one, apart from the baboon, I feel like the most memorable visual <laughs> in this entire film is the fact that these two boys have, 
I mean, what we would now call an AI-generated image of their two faces combined, like if they were going to have a baby together. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like a a TikTok filter at this point. Why Mm -hmm. do we keep showing this in this movie? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're... I don't know. I don't quite know if I understand what their endgame in creating this was, except just that it was supposed to be kind of vaguely spooky imagery, like their you know, their faces are merging, like their personalities already have. But their personalities are not merged. They don't... They don't fit the profile! <laughs> the profile doesn't fit the profile! <laughs> I think it's just meant to be a visual symbol of, as you said, Gina, their unity or uh, how they're coming together as one single person to collaboratively commit this murder. But who, boy, is this some, like, gay dads want to see what their future kids... I was going to say, unfortunately, that is an ugly baby. That is an ugly baby. Well, it's a man, Gina. It's an ugly baby man. (laughs) It's it's the worst kind of ugly baby. It's an ugly man. Mm -hmm. It's taken away all the attractive elements of Pitt and Gosling. Yes. And just left their blandest you know shadows of themselves behind yeah, like when they split them up i'm like oh okay that's better <laughs> that works and that works but that thing in the middle doesn't work at all no because the thing no. in the middle is uncanny it doesn't look yes. it's human but it doesn't look like a human exactly that yeah yeah it, t- it turns out, it, does, it turns out that like michael pitt's like weird giant eyes don't look very good on ryan gosling's very long face I think it, but their, their lips are at odds with each other, though, because yes. I, I could I could I feel like Ryan Gosling was wearing some kind of lipstick for this entire movie because his lips jump off of his face. I think they do anyways, but there is a fair amount of <laughs> gloss going on here. Yeah, that, that they're definitely trying to make every element of this as seductive as possible. Right. They're also dressing Ryan Gosling in the most unbelievable outfits i have ever seen in anything that i think we've covered gina i can't remember (laughs) the last time someone wore wore sleeves that are zhuzhed to the point that they're open (laughs) at the elbow just open like he's a fucking vampire like he's a las vegas vampire Mm mm-hmm yeah I mean, he's a high school student who appears to be wearing silk shirts. And if there is anything more gay than that, I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah, he's that sort of like, uh, like only in Hollywood, uh, uh, high school student who's always dressed like he's about to go out to some kind of nightclub. But is he ordering from the international mail catalog? Because what the fuck? I don't know. There's a shirt at one point that he's wearing that looks like he's a tour manager for Elton John in 1975. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. He's also wearing leather pants at yes. multiple school affairs. Do, do, do any of you ever had a schoolmate who wear who wore leather pants? I mean, me and my best friend, and we were flaming homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> Except we couldn't afford leather, so it had to be pleather. He's got, he's got like a red jacket too, right? Or am I thinking yes, of a different No, you know, he's got like, a, like this red, looks like a red leather members only it's, jacket. It's mm-hmm. fucking Claire Redfield's jacket from Resident Evil 2. Like, that's all yes. it is. <laughs> yes. And it's that's how vivid, uh, like, I don't play those games. I know, I know you do, but... It, it, that immediately clicked for me. It is. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's about to attend a party in a Blade movie. That's how yes. he's dressed. 
These are all apt comparisons. And folks, if you have not seen the film, you now know exactly what Ryan Gosling looks like in this movie. And he is undoubtedly a very attractive man. However, oh God, yes. I was yeah. I think he is the best actor in this movie. His performance is so good that I find him physically repulsive. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also he's yeah. also the only actor in in you know, I point this out a lot when I write about when I write about movies. He only, he's also the only actor who's really having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, he gets the fun role. Yeah, he gets unquote, the show. Right? He gets to be the showy psycho. Yeah, I mean, he gets to say the phrase, "Let's derange the world." That's not. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not have fun with that line? You know what? That that's this movie is missing. It's camp. Yes. Yes. Or yes. Yeah. Either stakes or thrills or camp. <laughs> One of the one three? of those one would of be three. fine. One of those would be good. All three—that's more than I could possibly ask for. Because you know who the killers are, and you yeah. know who's after the killers. So it's not like, in the end, they are—they stumble on a murder she's done in the past, where she's like avenging her past or something like that. Yeah. And what you want are more double crosses. Mm-hmm. You want complications in this, and it offers a single complication in that Ryan Gosling's character is kind of a dumb fuck and that complicates things. In a post-Wild Things world, this just doesn't cut it. Exactly. 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 What I think is funny is is the first time they they interview Ryan Gosling about the shoes, uh, (laughs) he is so, like, obviously lying yeah that that like mm-hmm. i expect like like you know on the car tar- cartoons when someone's trying to pretend they're good and they'll turn away like kind of cover their hand with their, their cover their mouth with their hand like oops and uh and um ben chapel's character is like yeah well that sounds good to me <laughs> right it makes his character seem even so fucking dumb because right. sandra both like there's something wrong with this fucking guy and he's like I don't know. Seems like a, a real square peg to me. And you're like, what are you talking Maybe we about? Dust this vomit some more before we before <laughs> we uh, before we make any conclusions. And meanwhile, like Ryan Gosling cannot stop smirking to save his life. That's the problem, Genia. You cannot dust for vomit. We've learned this. <laughs> the fact that that vomit <laughs> is, is like literally what brings them down. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, y'all aren't really that smart. Which maybe is the point behind their whole thing. But I was sure. like. I don't know. He says, I don't remember vomiting. And I was like, I don't know, man. I feel like when you're planning a murder, you should, maybe you should remember if you vomited. Or, or like you should maybe go back like a couple hours later and, and make sure you didn't leave anything behind. Or mm-hmm. dump the body like a hundred feet away from where you vomited. Why can't he vomit in the fucking stream? It's That's, right there. It's literally five more away. inches away. <laughs> It is wild because we see that stream as he's vomiting and you're just like, gather it up, shoo it into Put the it water. Put it in the water. Let just it, kick let it, it just flow. Kick it in there. But y'all, he doesn't yeah. remember vomiting. Doesn't That's remember. your workaround. You know what? Uh, you know, I, I have I have sympathy though because honestly, if I ever like you know got some sort of weird homoerotic pact with a friend to to start murdering people as part of some Nietzschean philosophy, I I would absolutely <laughs> just just puke all over the place in the middle of it. Oh sure. My question, because this we you have to wonder how much he's thinking ahead of this. Is the vomit something he doesn't remember or is he vomiting on purpose so that if they are caught, he can then come off as the sympathetic person who didn't want to murder anyone, just got roped into it by his very sexy Mm. friend 
who wears very open collared shirts and he just couldn't say no. I don't believe that because I think this movie, I don't think this is a dumb movie, but I do think that the movie sometimes thinks the audience is dumb. Yeah. They would have told us that. Yeah, I think they would. I think if that happened, they would have pulled a a, uh, usual suspects and kind of like, you know, know, showed, showed how he was actually, you know, the real, you know, mastermind behind it all. Yeah, exactly. Well, and actually, and Joe, that's the thing is like, what, this is the second week in a row, but we also mentioned it um, in uh, Hostile Part 2, where it's like, oh, yeah, the one that's seemingly the quote unquote normal weaker one is actually the murderer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's meant to be the subversion, but also it's such a weird message. I don't always like it. It, I think it carries some weird connotations isn't the right word because that's like but but it's like a thing where it's like oh yeah like the the person who's meeker shyer more feminine more flamboyant mm-hmm. like they're more psychotic because they've been bullied by society more yeah far more likely to be deranged psycho killers they're plotting the downfall of everyone around them because they think they're better yeah it's and like, uh... like you guys have have covered a lot of the movies that we've covered and you've seen the way horror movies treat horror fans where they're like here's this sicko who likes this bullshit yeah mm-hmm. and i feel like there's a little bit of that on a true crime bent here where here's this guy who's just intellectually really into crime as an idea. And as such, because he's the brains behind it, not the muscle. (laughs) Therefore he's the worse off here. He's the one you really have to fear. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, no, I fear both well, of them. That's, that's, they're, they're both fucked that's, up. That's, the, you know, that's where it plays into being Leopold and Loeb. Because, uh, in fact, I actually just read a very good book about about that case just recently. And, you know, that was the thing is, you know, the, you know now, unlike these characters, they, they made it to trial. And the whole thing was, well, which one of them was the smarter one here? Which 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 right. one? Because they couldn't have both come up with this idea. No. This, this, <laughs> one, of them, one of them had to manipulate the other one through, you know, sex and violence to, to, to get them to agree to do this. Like, no, there's... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, most, you know, murder, murder cases that involve two people, they're both in on it pretty equally. Well, there's a moment in this film late in the movie where Lisa goes to Justin and she's like, he forced you to do it. You're a good person. And I just wrote in my notes, he forced you to commit murder. Oh. Oh, like, I, no, 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 girl, no. no, he's not a good person. Okay, no, I wrote in my notes because when, whenever Michael Pitt confesses to her, we murdered someone, her reaction is so nonplussed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, That's if someone told me they murdered someone, I might have a bit more of a reaction to that. Yeah, a gasp or a mm-hmm. what are you talking about or or something. I get the fuck away from me. Get the fuck out of my apartment can might I, be one of those. Can I ask y'all something? Mm-hmm. So the poster for this movie, you know, has the murder by numbers, and there's like a stylized thing where the E in murder is a, th- a backwards three, and the B in by is eight, and the B in numbers is eight. Why is this called murder? By you know, numbers? I was wondering that. I was like, I'm not quite sure why this is called that. And there's no number. I mean, you could argue, oh, they're trying to plan the perfect murder. Maybe a perfect yes. murder was already I'm, taken. I'm That's pretty sure it was. it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. But it should have been incorporated into. Pitt's philosophy or yes because he has this mantra he goes one we do this two we do that three like, it, it, all you need is one fucking scene to explain or it or they write like a note that's in code like zodiac there's no or numbers something. <laughs> 
Again, just watch Copycat. Better movie, everyone. It's a better movie. But you Indeed. know what, though? I, I would watch... I mean, look, not saying I want to, like, get rid of Holly Hunter in that movie, but I would have watched Copycat. I think Copycat with Sandra Bullock in the Holly Hunter role still would have been very good. Maybe not as interesting because Holly Hunter has a very different... um. Yes, By performance everything style. about herself. <laughs> yeah, but I think it'd be an interesting role. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, it's not. I think they could do either role. There, there's not. There's not this like Twitter comparison of well, they can do this, but they can't do that. Right. They could have switched it. It's fine. What it comes down to is that Copycat is a better conceived thriller than mm-hmm. this, which has a title. And cast some people, and they're like, I don't know, make a movie. Yeah, it's and yeah, Copycat is very, very tight. This is not tight. This is this is two hours long of two. Copycat is also two hours. Is long. it really? That, that yeah. it, mm-hmm. I don't recall it feeling like like it was that long be, be, because it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it has stakes. It, it, it there's a problem for each of those cops to solve, and then you have a ticking t- you know clock of the murders stacking up. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have that. It has one murder, one murder and then one extra murder just to cover for the first murder. But that's their plan. Their plan ends. Yeah, there. it's like it's like it's like, okay, you're not gonna, you know, start you're not gonna kill other people. That's it, just this one. Also, Gina, copycat is three minutes longer no than kidding. this movie. Wow. Mm-hmm. I haven't oh, seen it in ages, yeah. but I I don't I remember oh. thinking it was pretty, you know, pretty well paced. I've seen yes. copycat no fewer than twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> it it does it plays very very well yeah <laughs> um okay so yeah we're introduced to detective cassie mayweather we get this hint that she has a dark history but we think it's tied to a previous case that needs to call her back to boston to testify at a parole hearing that she just does not want to address okay did, did this hoodwink y'all did you did y'all watch this and say well clearly she's the victim in that case I, yeah, I didn't remember exactly what she is. And and the movie also tries to play possum with it yeah. by casting her under a wide brim hat as the <laughs> cop who stumbles down the hillside yeah. um, by the body. And you're like, oh, oh, oh OK. But then I'm like, no, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, she is the victim. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole thing with her, like, not letting anybody see her without a shirt on. I'm like, OK, but well, she's, mm-hmm. she's hiding something. Like, so, be it burn scars or right. no scars. So it's like, because she's, she, you, know, you know, she's hiding like a woman who's afraid to take her bathing suit off at the beach because she thinks she's too fat. So I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, well, that's, 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 there's something there. There's, this is more than, than, you know, oh, it's the bad case I was involved in. Yeah, and I guess kudos to them for trying to do something with this sort of battered woman PTSD trauma survivor bit. I think part of it, again, is that we've seen this done now so, so many times and far more effectively. Again, I can't recall if in 2002 this would have played better. No, so, Joe, novelty aspect aside, this backstory, which I do, I agree, I appreciate it. I think this is something that we should be featuring in movies and, like, talking about it. The problem Mm -hmm. is... It's so surface level here. Like, it's just here as a character trait slash slight backstory. And that's why it's kind of like, oh, like I, I wish the movie was just about that. But we can't devote all the runtime to it. But Trace, this is how we explain that she's a big slut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
which I find very uncomfortable from like a 2020. Well, yeah, it's the whole thing about, you know, and yeah, that was definitely a thing for a while that if you're a promiscuous woman, it's because you, you, you're fucked up. Well, no, but I, I like that aspect of it though, because again, to me, I'm like, okay, if, if you're watching this, you're like, wow, she's kind of a slob, but you're like, wait, 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 wait. Gender flip every single role in this movie. Oh, yeah. No She's, one would have an issue with her behavior. Not, no. No. And, and so so that aspect of it I like. I do wish the film did more to like be like, hey all, look at this. <laughs> but mm. but on, on, on that base level alone, I appreciate it. No, I mean this is you gender flip it, it is striking distance. The, the, there's a well-worn path here. The problem is is that the you you have two paths in front of you. You either mm-hmm. make this the the two of them, the Leopold and Loeb characters here, yes. are the main thrust. And she is an interesting background character yeah. who's like the who's doggedly on the case, but is not the focus of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you make her the focus of the movie trying to solve this crime, and they are the colorful side characters, and but only that. This tries to play it both ways, and as such, it is in the middle of the most interesting sides of the road. It's weird because what y'all have all said, you know, is, oh, like the movie clearly thinks the most subversive part of this is, oh, we we reveal the killers from minute one. And I almost, yeah, wish, yeah, let, let, let's make the Sandra Bullock character the focus, and let's make it an actual whodunit. Yes, you absolutely could have done it that way and made the uh, the chief of police a real threat or her Mm -hmm. ex who's now a DA a threat or other people at school whatever it is you could have made this an interesting mystery or you take the mystery away and we have the reveal right away and you make her a mystery but you can't do that you can't do both not with her it doesn't work yeah yeah. So thank you, Patrick. You did bring in Captain Rod Cody, who is played by what, Artie what Hall name. as well. <laughs> yes, Rod Cody. Uh, he seems to be a bad guy from a Steven Seagal movie we're not watching. <laughs> right. um, I would love to see that movie. I don't know what he's doing here. He seems to be an officious asshole mm-hmm. and a middle manager, but then really... He, he does not want to fill out paperwork in HR about this one detective is what it comes down to. Deep down, he loves her. But, that's a, uh, uh, but sometimes the way he, he reacts to her, I'm kind of like, I mean, dude, I kind of get it, man. She's she's really insubordinate. <laughs> mm. Well, the profile doesn't fit the profile. <laughs> well, it's also because she's fucking right all the time. So that's yeah. got to be tough. It's irritating. <laughs> We also have D.A. Al Swanson, who is, I would argue, you know, we're looking at this film during Toxic Masculinity Month. Obviously, we can talk about the Leopold and Loeb of it all and what boys feel like they need to do to fit in. Oh, I'm so hard pressed for a friend. I guess I'll murder an innocent woman from a parking lot. But then this D.A. and the way that he's just casually telling a person he literally just met, oh, yeah, she fucks all of her partners and then she ices them out. Like, this D.A. guy is a great example of toxic masculinity, oh, too. But, but I also understand why he does that, because he feels burned. He's sensitive. He feels burned by the woman who fucked him and ran, because women don't do that. Right. What I, what I, good and she's also better at the job. Yeah, what I, what I love he is how she, he had to go get an entirely different job and he still sucks What I what I love is how every time she speaks, he gets this yeah, right kind of face on the look on yeah. his face. And she I, is right every time. 
I think mm-hmm. that that's another issue I have, though, is I think the movie would have done better because the mystery of the movie, or at least what I think the movie is trying to make a mystery, is what happened to Cassie. Like, well, why is she like this? And right. I almost think it would have been more interesting if that was just revealed up front and we were dealing with that from the get-go. But the problem is the movie just kind of sprinkles all these little tidbits until we have the reveal. Again, Joe, as you said, the 50-minute mark where we learn what it is, but it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, why are you dragging this out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. I don't really care. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, is she, is she, you know, if she wants to sleep with her partners, all right. I mean, that's, that's probably going to make things awkward sometimes, but... You know, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't it's not it's not very interesting to me. Yeah, there's no suspense sequence to this murder. It is just the aftermath of it, mm-hmm. which is a way to go. I'm not saying I have to be thrilled that way. But that's but, the CSI of it all though. Right. And you know, I realize there's supposed to be some suspense saying, Oh, will she will will she go testify against her ex husband? Of course she will. I mean, like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know why they, they make it seem like there's a possibility that she won't. Of course she's gonna do the right thing and testify against him at the end. Well, that was another thing Bullock had said though, whereas like, you know, it's the story of this dark tale, like really like like disturbing subject matter but there's a moral lesson at the end and i'm like yeah there is but it's so basic and also really it doesn't really have anything to do with the 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 two boys like it doesn't no they, they don't no. they don't gel in any way and that and that's why it feels like two different movies kind of just glom together mm-hmm. yeah 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 so let's talk about Bullock's chemistry with Gosling because oh. the scene where she and Sam go to interview him in this abandoned gymnasium, we later learn that he's basically the richest kid in town, but he doesn't ask for a lawyer and they just do it in a public setting. I I was like, where where is the decorum in the protocol this, here? Well, but, 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 but no, but that's a conscious decision on his part because A, if you lawyer up, you look guilty immediately. B, sure. the whole point of this is because they knew, they knew the cops would come looking because that footprint of his i'm sorry vg boots his 600 dollars boots yeah which oh my god <laughs> which in 2002 money is tantamount to a hundred million <laughs> but that's the thing though it's like okay the, the boot was intentional they wanted mm-hmm. the cops to come to them because they wanted to enjoy hoodwinking the it's cops it's part of the excitement yes. it's part of the thrill but, yes. but that's why though when the vomit is revealed to be an actual mistake you're kind of like oh Ugh. these are a couple of idiots oh, you, mean, you mean they didn't just like <laughs> stick their fingers down her throat and just let fly with the, cav- with the half-eaten caviar <laughs> also who the fuck eats caviar before your very first murder what yeah, you, really, you, you really doing? need something you really need something more substantial you need like a well, nice like chicken dinner or something also is justin supposed to be rich justin's not rich right no why is he the one eating at the caviar restaurant by himself he's like by si- himself. 16 <laughs> with a book eating his caviar i've gone to a restaurant by myself for lunch not for dinner and i've had a book it's totally i've been to many but a you haven't had caviar ate- no, <laughs> I, oh, no the, the chili's caviar is something to behold. It really is one oh of their better God. dishes. Wait, maybe he's getting a murder stipend from Richie Rich, and it was like, you know what? We've got a big night. Why don't you treat yourself to a book and caviar at the fanciest <laughs> restaurant in town? Because we don't know anything about Justin's home life. We don't even get to meet. We, we meet Richard's par- dad, his dad, once, maybe twice. Oh, we we see Richard's mom as well because when he packs up to run, she goes, Richard. Are you coming home for dinner? <laughs> You're not supposed to re- leave the house. But we know nothing about Justin's home life in any shape, way, or form. Yeah, he might as well just like live by himself. 
Well, this is a very dead girl situation, Trace, because we we do hear Sandy B mention that they don't have parents and they don't have hobbies and they don't have jobs. All they have is murder. The profile doesn't fit the profile, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, as soon as they get revealed, it's like, oh, yeah, the profile does fit. It totally fits the profile. It fits exactly. Um, But let's talk about this scene where, okay, so Cassie is adamant that she thinks it's these boys. She uncovers that there is a connection between the two of them. They've been lying to everybody. Sam is fucking off inheriting the case and trying to pin it on Chris Penn's domination bondage janitor guy i had no idea chris penn died by the way but i i, mm-hmm. I was like what do i know him from and <laughs> y'all are gonna laugh tony he, scott movies no okay joe you're gonna really laugh at this actually he is the male villain opposite debbie mazar in beethoven's oh. second oh, yes. <laughs> it all tracks <laughs> i love beethoven's second <laughs> he does he, he brings it up. A the rare sequel amount. that outdoes the original. I think we can all agree. A hundred. And you know why? Because of Debbie Mazar. Mm-hmm. Well, Debbie Mazar pluses up just about anything she's in. But of course, few people realize that uh, the proposal for that sequel is the director came in, wrote Beethoven on, on a whiteboard, then wrote an S and made it into a dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, I have heard that joke from you before, I think. I have 10 jokes, and they just wrote it. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so... So Cassie is adamant that these boys have done it and she decides, even though she's been warned by the captain not to not to go down this path, she begins to follow Richard and then she steals his garbage so that she can give it to the forensics people. Okay, but let's talk about the scene where he confronts her in the car, because I actually think this is the most exciting scene in the film. Well, Because they actually have chemistry and there's stakes. There are stakes to this because She's on the fringe. She's on she's on the edge, as it were, of of movie comptum, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's told her to get off the case. Everything's happened with the exception of put your badge and gun on my desk. Mm-hmm. And then you end up clocking a teenager with your car door and everyone in the department kind of hates you. Well, there, that is legit stakes the moment because you see it in her face the moment she hits him with that car door she knows she's like oh shit she's fucked. <laughs> like she yeah, knows she is fucked but of course this is a movie she's movie fucked because if you do that in real life you're just fine actually you can do much worse yeah, and remain on the force like for a very long time well no because it, it could be it, it, they could charge her with assault which is what he tries to do of course i guess <laughs> I mean, it comes to nothing, so it doesn't really matter. But right, yeah, yeah. I I just find it so interesting slash uncomfortable when he tries to press himself through the open window, seemingly to kiss her. That, okay, yes, yeah. It, it, there are so many weird sexual, borderline rapey vibes every time they're in a scene together. But mm-hmm. again, I wish they had it more because it makes everything more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the sex stuff in this movie to me is the stuff that it's worth checking out for. Like all of the scenes between Gosling and Pitt, I think are actually really good. And I like the way that they play 
the hierarchy in their relationship in terms of the power dynamics. And then, yeah, all this stuff with Gosling and uh, Bullock is really okay. good, too. But you say that, though, I, I, I will say, the one scene between Bullock and Chaplin that I kind of think is fun is whenever he's, after they fucked and he's confronting her and he's, like, clearly upset <laughs> because mm-hmm. she fucked him and doesn't want to, like, make love to him, as Gina so eloquently put. It's um, not just about sex. I respect you as a person. And then she can barely finish the sentence without just <laughs> bursting into laughter. I, th- that is a great fucking moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> You know, people don't respect the foot jobs they get during that long. And uh, <laughs> that really does bring it very common. Maybe that's why he was uncomfortable. <laughs> so, like, you know, Matt Locks yeah. on television. <laughs> oh, please. A white sock cock rub from Sandra Bullock during Matlock, the sexiest plenty, of primetime entertainment. Plenty of people have had sex to very awkward things. I'm trying to think. I have had sex to my best friend's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Was that in theater or at home? No, it was at home. It was it was actually my husband. <laughs> and when we were very early, early, early dating, we put it on, and then we were like, "We both love this movie." Oh my god, you love it! You love this! You love this movie! Oh my god, let's fuck! <laughs> we must have sex right now. <laughs> it's the only resolution to this this examination of our personal dynamic. Wait, I'm sorry. Also, but what about Sandra Bullock saying, "I got to take a piss"? Because that's not very a very ladylike thing to say. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's I was true, like, "Yeah, I, I think." He but like you know you know hard edge women aren't aren't gonna say i gotta take a piss <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you would be forgiven for thinking some of this was a character that was written originally as a male uh-huh. and then retrofit over well but i think that what they're doing is basically what patrick described off the top which is they looked at lethal weapon they looked at a bruce yeah. willis movie and they said okay yeah keep a lot of that dialogue and all of those characteristics and we're just going to put sandy b in and i i, I yeah. don't want to say oh it's, it's a male screenwriter but it's clearly a male screenwriter in the <laughs> early 2000s saying how do i make like a hard edge woman female she drinks cop. and she fucks let's just steal let's just steal some dialogue from other cop movies that have men and just make Sandra Bullock say this shit mm-hmm. but she also looks at court documents with Cheryl Crow playing in the back <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Ms. Crow must have been thrilled was associated with the multiple emotions that her music is used for in this mm-hmm. film uh why murder by numbers was not chosen or police songs or sting any of the above (laughs) it's because it's a very woman friendly moment right it's when she's empathizing too much with the victim instead of the killer oh my god Uh, you said her name fist through the my computer (laughs) so you gotta have the little little spare music playing well uh, okay Okay, so I'll push this. I don't know if I'm going forward or back, but what about the scene where Richard basically confronts Justin about the Lisa stuff? Because what I find interesting about this, you know, he's like, you stood me up for that slut. Did you fuck her? Mm-hmm. He's crying when he's saying Oh, yeah, he's mad. He is. He is hurt. Well, he's crying and then he leaves a sex tape for Justin to watch proving she's bad because I fucked her. And then Justin starts crying and then Richard calls him and they're on the phone and Richard is just like, you're such a special person. I just think you deserve to know. (laughs) I was like, he's like, I'm the the only one. I'm the only one you can trust. And it's like, I'm also a little confused, though, because didn't 
Richard already fucked Lisa like before. In yeah, the before it's time. definitely this is from it's, before. Yeah, it's definitely if you know that that they have at least dated because he is just mm-hmm. like when he's trying to pick her up in the car. He's all like, you know, and she says like we've been down this road before. Yes. Like we don't know that that sex tape is I actually it's new. from this encounter. It could from it could have been from a previous encounter. That's what that's I how thought. I read it. That's what I. Yeah. Anyway, nevertheless, what he says is about fucking Lisa. I had to do it. The last thing I wanted to do was hurt you, but I had to show you what she was like, and that's what she's like. I'm the only person who cares about you. I'm the only person who cares about who you really are, which is a gay man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if we jump back to the beginning of the film where they're talking about, you know, oh, we should do it tonight. No, I think we need to wait. We should hold off a little bit longer. They're obviously talking about doing a murder. And yet you could very easily substitute that in for, oh, they're going to fuck which is for why, the Which first is time. why it's such a cop out that they don't even show them kissing. And, and I mean, and mm-hmm. I realize that, you know, it's a mainstream movie in 2002. They weren't going to go that far. But I keep thinking of you brought up the movie Swoon which I watched for the first time last year. Okay. What'd you think? Oh, I loved it. I was going to I was going to say that I uh, you know, I uh, it pops into my mind every now and then. And and hmm. you, you didn't like it? I haven't seen it. I I saw that it's available for free and Oh, I thought you guys I thought you guys YouTube. covered it on the show. Okay. Yeah, no, it was on it, it was on Criterion last year. Um oh, okay. uh, no, I really I thought it was very well done and and it is you know, I can't even say it's homoerotic. They're 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 an openly gay couple. They're basically yes. how Leopold and Loeb really really were in real life. Like these, you know, two kind of you you pretentious rich boys who were sleeping together, yeah. and and you know and, and the movie you know it, it could, because it was an indie an indie film, right. you know, no <laughs> guys no masters. They they you know they they went. I mean, the, the, the sexies weren't graphic, but they were definitely sexual. And yes. and and I just hear it's, it's just such a cop out. Well, okay, so I agree is a cop out, and I think personally that the movie would have been better making this more explicit. That mm-hmm. being said, Joe and Trace, this is two thousand and two. If they make them explicitly gay, are they then going to get the rap that they are making them? queer villains simply yeah. to other the villains and make them this evil that are just a gay couple and that's why they're killing people mm-hmm. so ordinarily i would say yes but because it's 2002 i think what happens is if you do that you end up in the situation gina just described this isn't a studio film anymore right like a studio wouldn't have put out a confirms like oh they're kissing the most you would have gotten would be a heavier insinuation but like i think the other close comparison is a movie that trace addressed earlier which is gus van sant's elephant about the columbine shootings mm-hmm. where you do have a queer kiss but it's left ambiguous but that film is small it's very indie well it's not about yeah. their queerness though and I, mm-hmm. I i think there's a much more interesting version of this movie that is about their queerness Yes, absolutely. Because then you could actually play up the idea of who is the one who instigated it? Are they both bad? But again, that we're talking Leopold and Loeb proper. Like, they just wanted to use that as the backdrop. But that's what Patrick was talking about, though. Then that's the movie where Sandra Bullock's character is a background. I mean, she's maybe not a background character, but she's a tertiary character or a secondary character. And that is not what they were going to do with this movie. No. As soon as you had her Tommy Lee... Uh, uh, in uh in the fugitive 
where right. she's this compelling background looming force that is constantly on their heels mm-hmm. the movie is not about him but yeah she would pop because she's that threat outside mm-hmm. of their ongoing shenanigans and that that would be a movie that would be a movie well and you yeah. can even bring her around more often because again the whole point is they're trying to make the perfect murder they're trying to fuck with the cops you can have her come around a lot more Mm-hmm. and trying to get them but they're like but they, they keep hoodwinking her every turn until the very end which would be yeah. suspenseful maybe yeah i mean we saw them do it actually gina it's another film you and i covered with jen adams on white ladies in crisis they basically did a version of that with double jeopardy and ashley judd right mm-hmm. right you know when they basically repurposed the fugitive by having tommy lee jones come back and uh, it's not quite the same thing, but yeah, like you could have this persistent cop character who would pop, but then you still get to focus on the more dynamic, kind of scintillating, maybe sexualized figures that drive the story forward. Yeah. Can we talk about how very San Luis Obispo this movie is? <laughs> I mean, no, sure. nobody but I don't know how much will nobody but you is going to be able to 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 clarify that for sure. I'm, just gonna, I'm sorry. What did you just say? I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> It's a California thing. It's a California thing. This is very Central Coast. San Luis Obispo is a college town. Um, Morro Bay is just on the outside of it. Morro Bay, most people know, from the birds. Mm. So it's this California Golden Coast area. Bodega Bay. Bodega Bay. And, you know, they play fast and loose with where these things are in relation to one another. But Slow is a very nice little downtown. It has that canal or river that actually runs through it that the uh, bridges go over. And when they're, uh, you know, he's playing the tape uh, for Justin, like, oh, well, I I may have fucked up a little bit when I was telling the story. That's all like going along the back river of downtown Slow, which is a very nice town. And I like it a lot, but it also does have that one wall where everyone puts their gum on it. Oh. Like it's uh, like that's an activity and not an unsanctioned science experiment. Um, outside of that, very nice town. I've been drunk there many times. <laughs> a glowing recommendation. If you have it within you, check out San Luis Obispo. Okay. I mean, I think that this this is giving the appropriate amount of small town with rich people in it but not everybody is rich i thought this was like a major city in some major state in the united states i didn't know this was meant to be a small town really yeah i had no fucking idea it's almost because heldsburg is where they film a lot of scream so there's that middle california thing which of course that is the same town that hitchcock does uh, the trouble is it the trouble with Harry with the mm-hmm. the uncle who's killing everyone. Mm-hmm. So that scream is evoking that, and then this is evoking scream. So like, if you're two guys who are kind of horny for one another, but you can't fuck and you end up murdering, Central California is for you. <laughs> but only in the movies, not in real life. Hopefully, <laughs> not in real life. No, <laughs> you can do that in West Hollywood. <laughs> okay, so why don't we talk about? how the last act plays out in this movie because we've got all of these csi-esque flashbacks of the boys committing the crimes planting the evidence plotting all the stuff the crimes they murder one woman 
<laughs> well, they they also murder Chris Penn, who yes. I'm not. I'm fine with actually. Which because we we see Ryan Gosling murder him, and mm-hmm. he's full Patrick Bateman. Well, it's very surprising g- given given where we end up. Isn't it a little surprising that he is the one that kills this man? No, because that's the pact. That's the strangers on the train pact that they kind of make because Pitt's character does kill the 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 stranger yes and gosling's character has to commit to killing the guy they're set up to take the fall right so they're each down for one Mm -hmm. but the conflict that he has on his face when that actually happens where he's kind of saddened by how sad this is Mm -hmm. (laughs) it genuinely affects him in the sense like wow this guy amounts to nothing Oh. And I'm helping him get there. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when we learn that it was Richard who basically told Ray, hey, you should leave your, your main house because you're going to get raided by the cops. You should go to a secondary location <laughs> where I alone will know where you are so I can murder you while dressed up like Patrick Bates. I mean, yes. I mean, he may also be sad because, you know, that's his weed guy. True. Yes. But also, why is the I, I'm sorry, this rich as fuck white teenager is mm-hmm. settling for weed yeah he definitely seems more like like he, yeah, that, a that's a coke he's guy a coke right kid. There. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> with those clothes that wardrobe come on cocaine written all over him <laughs> he's just driving around he's driving around listening to iron maiden come on oh my god hey, i wouldn't have known that but i had subtitles on and it was like iron maiden playing and i was like that's a band <laughs> <laughs> Again, an opportunity to play Murder by by Numbers! (laughs) I mean, but but here's the thing, though. This movie takes itself far too seriously to incorporate the song Murder by Numbers into this thing. Coming out, it makes sense because it's not called Murder by Numbers. But this Mm -hmm. movie, I can guarantee you Schroeder would have been like, no, that cheapens the film. They could have played it over the end credits or something. Something. Yes, end credits. Get Cheryl Crow to do a fucking cover or something. <laughs> there we go. Yes. She just did a James Bond song five years ago as of this movie. Yeah, yeah let her do she it. She needs money. Come oh on. <laughs> she needs money. She has a fucking mortgage. We all got mortgages. <laughs> she could use a job. Okay. So we end up at this cottage for our big climax. It seems like we're going to enact our murder-suicide pact. But of course... Richard has only given Justin the gun with the bullets because he wants him to take the fall. I, mm, uh-huh. it's tricky because I, I know we've been joking this whole time that these are queer men, but my read of the film is actually that Richard is the queer one and Justin is the, eh, like who really knows how he identifies. Hmm. But the way that Richard reacts to every little thing that Justin does throughout this film. Like, even when he says, you know, okay, so when we finish this plan, where does that leave us? Where does it leave us? And you're just like, oh, you're so codependent. It's like, we have to pretend we don't know each other after this. But when it comes down to it, he's very much like, you know what? I'll let him kill himself. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) It it just seems like a weird turnabout. I get that at this point, he probably just wants to get himself out of Yeah, I think he's just, you know, you know, filled with regret. Not not necessarily regret over, you know, killing somebody, just ever getting involved in this in 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 this plan. Like, you know, like uh, uh remember when you're a little kid kid and you get in trouble and your mom's and you say you're sorry your mom says you're not sorry you did it you're sorry you got caught it's kind of, yeah. it, it, it's, it's kind of like that <laughs> yeah. yeah 
And then you just shoot your friend exactly. because you're trying to shoot the cop instead. Exactly. You know, as one does. Us. <laughs> so then we end up with Chekhov's fight out on the back porch that's about to fall no, into no, no, the fucking no. like, ocean. Ca- call it what it is. This is not a back porch. This is a studio stage, soundstage with a green screen and not a very good one. Oh, yeah. Okay. That is against the plate. That they, they are not anywhere near the beach. San Luis Obispo <laughs> yeah. when that bad boy. Okay, so this is really bad green screen. We will come back to this in a moment, but I watched this on Canadian Netflix, and they... <laughs> Wait, I wait, had to specify wait. because it just got added and it was number 10. <laughs> I was like, oh, other people are watching Murder by Numbers, but apparently. Joe, but Joe, does Canadian Netflix have different video quality than american netflix does it encode things in a worse manner (laughs) so that's what i had to ask because all of the sudden out of the fucking blue when they're doing the dual interrogation scenes of the boys and we cut back to the double uh you know the two-way glass all of a sudden i'm watching this with my husband and brian just goes why does that one lab technician have blue hair all of a sudden (laughs) and it's because they blue screened the fucking two-way mirror so that we could see ryan gosling so it's a complete reshoot or they're 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 taking two halves of it and making it into one scene but it's like they couldn't just shoot with an actual two-way mirror like they couldn't build a little set that has Joe, th- th- there's 50 million dollars at stake and 20 million of it is going to Sandra Bullock no we don't have a- an acupuncture and barbecue we don't have money I was for gonna a say, two-way we, mirror we talked about the barbecue budget no <laughs> yeah it was probably Franklin's barbecue which if you live in Austin Texas as Sandra Bullock does it's knows you, you had to wait in line for three hours no even even if you're Obama, because he cut in line one year and people were really pissed. <laughs> so wait, Trace, did you ever go to Sandra Bullock's place on Sixth Street? No, oh. I did not. Wait, 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 wait. Like a bar? She had a restaurant that was on Sixth. Do you know what it was called? Mm, I don't. But you know how Sixth Street just seems to expand every year? Like it keeps crawling away farther and farther away from the interstate in terms of its venues. It lasted, I would say, a good eight years and then evaporated. I'm looking. Yeah, it's something called Best Bistro, I think. Yeah. Okay. I definitely yes. have not been there. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but it closed in 2016. Oh, Correct. Yes. Was it open in 2002, though? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe so. Um, but I because I distinctly remember going. During my, I go to South by Southwest every year for music time and getting drafted into going there one time. Like, this is fair. This is fair, but you're surrounded by so much good food Mm. in Austin. It seems like the only reason I'm showing up here is because Sandra Bullock owns the joint. Mm, Right. Right. I mean, you're hoping for that celebrity spotting. I get it. <laughs> That's right. I need to get out of L.A. for celebrity spy- spottings. <laughs> I need to get into a town like Austin. <laughs> My celebrity spotting, so, it wasn't even someone I liked. Um, I worked at a wine bar in Westlake, which is like the very rich area of Austin where where, where Sandra Bullock might live. And mm-hmm. I worked at a bar, uh, sorry, a wine bar, and it was Easter fucking Sunday. And who walks in but a, a a reverend or a priest and 30 people and <laughs> with no reservation. And of one course. of those people is Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh. And they wanted a table. And I was like, you fuckers didn't make a reservation. But of course. But the, did God prevail? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he prevailed. Because, <laughs> of course, our manager was like, it's Matthew McConaughey. We have to seat them. And I was like, yeah. they didn't make a fucking reservation. <laughs> 
but then he's going to do that little lisp whistle and he's going to drive us all insane. You got to put him in a seat. I did touch Matthew McConaughey's hand. I handed him a mimosa that he didn't want. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know a lot about Matthew, but I'm assuming every mimosa is a mimosa he doesn't want unless there's a whole, you know, eighth of weed, you know, dowsing inside of it. I guess. I don't. Whatever. (laughs) Fucking Matthew McConaughey. Um, um, Okay. So coming back to the climax of the movie, which is where we were at. Yes. Yes. Green screen falling to the death. Not very good. Did we ever for one moment believe this apparent fake out of Justin clobbering her to death oh uh no i didn't believe so i thought you meant the fake out of like oh where we're like justin is the real killer oh i believe that for a bit yeah yeah yeah. no i i I did i i didn't buy into the whole that he was gonna kill her like it's fine but i i I, one thing i really do like about this movie though is the switcheroo with them even though by now it's kind of old hat as we already discussed even with dead girl last week but i do like the resolution with justin and cassie in the end of this movie <laughs> well, okay, is there a part of you that's kind of like, oh, please let him off the hook? He did save your life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gina's like, let him fry. My question to all of you is Does Gosling's character have a thing for getting punched? Because whenever it happens, he seems to relish it. Patrick, mm. I think you're missing the, the timeline. He's dead. I know he's dead now, but I didn't get a chance to say this before because I started going off about Sandy's restaurant and fucking Austin. That boring story. Let's get back to, to Gosling characters' weird picadillos. Yeah. I think he enjoys getting punched. He's such a fun, he's such a fun and interesting character. And and I really wonder how much of that was, you know, in the script and how much he decided he was going to bring to this character. Well- it's mm. it, it, if you read reviews from the time, even the worst reviews will single out Ryan Gosling. I, I really okay. Even the entertainment review from Liza Schwarzman, she was like, "Newcomer Ryan Gosling, um, a uh. magnetic presence, even in junk like this." Wow. <laughs> I mean, she's not. They're not wrong. I, I mean, if, no, if, if he wasn't, if he wasn't in this, I would like this movie a lot less. And and you know, I I didn't think it was that great to begin with. But I don't think I'd call this junk. Like, to me, this is so firmly middle of the road. Like, I watched a lot of movies like this in theaters in the early 2000s. And it was like, yeah, you know, it could have been a little bit better. But am I unhappy I watched it? It's well, fine. It's fine. But, it's fine. But 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 that's why I'm saying though, at, at least in terms of memorability, wouldn't you rather this movie be a fucking clusterfuck of bullshit? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are uh, we encourage swings yes. around here? And 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 that's the thing. This movie doesn't take swings, which I I commend it for playing it safe, but I also hate it for playing right. It safe. Yeah. I I and, and and it's a victim of its time period. If the, yeah. if this movie had been made now, they could have gone in all sorts of wild directions mm-hmm. with Wait. it. Okay, Murder by Numbers remake, Hive, come out. (laughs) There we go. It's going to be a 10-part limited series on HBO, and it's going to have full frontal dong. Well, because then (laughs) you can devote the appropriate amount of screen time to both stories in this movie. You could still use Sandra Bullock. You could. You don't have to recast. She's not even 60 yet. She's not at retirement age. For, for a cop, I mean. Okay, so here's the other question, though. Do you get 
franchise vibes from this like do you think they ever imagined Ooh, if this kicks off we could get a cassie mayweather part two if only because it feels like a television cop procedural so therefore yes i would watch the next episode of this season this wasn't uh this wasn't based on a book was it no, okay. no, it's an, it's an original piece okay. outside of Leopold and Lowe. Okay. But it very much feels like it was written on a James Patterson It does, novel. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm thinking. She feels like a very baked-in, hard-edged detective character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's murder by numbers, but you take away the S, you uh, put in the two, and you make it a dollar. Okay, so I, go. <laughs> I don't know if you actually said this, Patrick, but I heard it, murdered by numbers. There's your oh. movie. <laughs> okay. It's get Sesame Street involved. The count is a suspect. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think you you know that the the you know the way this movie could have been improved is to make it either you know full camp like Wild Things, mm-hmm. or you make it or you make it darker like Zodiac. Right. So, uh, here's the, uh, we're gonna date. I I will date us by bringing this up. But Reese Witherspoon did an interview recently or something where. She said, oh, people don't want to see me in darker material. They want to see me in lighter material. To which I'm like, bitch, you in the morning show. Come on. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, though, I I wonder if Sandra Bullock thinks the same thing about herself. Where it's like, oh, like, in post-2000, when I've gone to darker material, it hasn't really connected with audiences. And a part of me is really sad by that because I'm kind of like, oh, I would love to – Again, as we've said multiple times in this episode, there is a good movie in here. Pick one avenue and make it. I would love to see Sandra Bullock do something like gross like this. I mean, I think she because uh, what the year two years after this, she does Crash, where she plays that racist white lady. And I know people hate I on. I think Crash. that's a better fit for her, though. Like I that's agree. a better, darker version for her than something like this. Like I was even thinking, you know, okay, if I could remake this movie, a I think it would turn out to be Destroyer, the Karn Kusama film. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nicole Kidman is someone who's got her finger in every genre and can do all of it. (laughs) And that's just it, right? Like, because we normally think we can usually rely on her to give us some kind of poppy, fresh face thing. But then she also does some of this darker like really dark shit pretty darn good yeah but but i feel like that's always been nicole kidman's raison d'etre like sandra bullock Mm -hmm. like she was she was even though she was in darker movies she was never that type of character and it sucks because i would love to see her play those type of roles more often because i know she can but i feel much like reese witherspoon being like i'm not going to do freeway roles anymore much less talk about them because no one wants to see me in those roles and i'm like but but there is an untapped audience out there that does want to see you and in those free, and roles. And Freeway has a has mm. a very devoted cult audience. Oh boy, yes. does it ever! Well, now it does, but like pre twenty eighteen. Oh well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a it was a you know. I mean, on the one hand, it was a huge flop, but also on the other hand, nobody knew who she was then. Like that was like yeah. that yeah. was like one of yeah. her first movies. Well, but even with the this, I'm going to be like, you don't think Big Little Lies is dark material? But again, she's mm-hmm. not playing. That's probably the most reprehensible person she's played, like in modern times. But she's still got that sunny exterior. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Although I will say <laughs> in the morning show, her brother does play a Trump MAGA supporter, and she gets footage of him at the January 6th insurrection and chooses to erase it for the FBI. 
Ooh. <laughs> that show is uh that show is a fucking th- mess <laughs> it's such a mess but it's so fun to watch <laughs> but here's the thing right is it's memorable because it's messy yes. as opposed to murder by numbers where we all just kind of shrug our shoulders and go it's too okay it's too classy it's too classy yeah needed to get its fingers dirty well no i i don't think it is too classy i think it wants to be too classy and it's mm. not it doesn't know what it wants to be. I feel like we have confronted this a couple times, most importantly with the with the quiet. Yeah. Where that film <laughs> desperately wants you to think it is one thing, but then it's not quite sure and tries to be a lot of different things all at once. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it's a more delightful mess. Yes. And it makes it a bit more memorable. And I think why some people want to get behind it a little bit more because it brings that unsolicited laughter and has that element of camp to it that this just doesn't yeah. have. Like, imagine Michael Pitt and Ryan Gosling talking about masturbation milkshakes in this movie. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's up a full star, right? Yeah, I mean... yeah. I, I, Listen, I, we've talked enough about shower sex being... It's just... It dries everything out. It sure mm-hmm. does. Just, don't, don't, do don't, do don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Look sexy, no. not not sexy to do. Leave it to porn. Yeah, they're professionals at least. That is fantasy. I'm sorry, everyone. That it just, it just dries everything out. It's not a fun time. But um, all right. Well, so I <laughs> if, I think we're done. We're done. We, <laughs> Once Patrick starts talking about drying things out, that's when you can wrap it up. <laughs> well, okay. So does anyone have any final thoughts on this movie, or have we gotten it all out? Listen, it's it's fine. It's absolutely, you know, perfectly acceptable Saturday afternoon. You know, hey, murder, murder by numbers. I was about to call it murder. She wrote, murder by murder mm. by numbers is on, and then you kind of have it on while you're doing the housework. It's 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 not a badly made movie. You know, it's competently made, right? It's competently, it's competently made. made. Like yeah. I said, Ryan Gosling's having a good time. Sandra Bullock is perfectly fine. You know, uh, uh, Michael Pitt plays you know believable little creep. You know, I. Yeah, Agnes Bruckner is. Yeah, there. Ben Chaplin is, is is terrible, but his character is <laughs> ultimately so inconsequential to the plot. But he knows it. At yeah, least it, we know yeah, that it he doesn't. Knows it. it doesn't really take away much. The only no. the only time that affects is like the, in the scenes of them, just the two of them together, where it's just like, please, can we get to the next part? But you know, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's got a baboon sequence it, that we it's barely got a talked baboon about. That oh comes yeah. out baboon. of fucking nowhere. Like it's a real dime a dozen cop movie trope that you have a random baboon come in, sure. bite somebody, and they're like, two days later, I got to get out. That's like hospital. people. I would be in the hospital for fucking weeks. Of you know, everybody's like, that's weird, and then we don't mention it again. Wait, wait, wait! Remake this movie. Only it's a Joe Exotica. <laughs> Like a tiger. No, no. Or the baboon's the killer the whole time. <laughs> right. You make this a murder of the room morgue. And, put, Mike, put, yeah. put Mike Flanagan on that shit. And Gosling is seducing a baboon and saying, we can work together and we can change society. We can disrupt I'm, things, I'm your baboon. only friend, Wait, is baboon. he fucking the baboon, though? Uh, is, he, is he fucking pitting he's this? Look, he's he's, we he's don't looking know. very seductively at the baboon, but, but occasionally, occasionally grabbing him by the throat in a very fetish There's baboon. a lot of throat grabs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Before I officially close this out, what, do you ever think there was a point in either a script meeting a 
I guess it wasn't a pitch meeting because they had the script already in right. any kind of planning scene where someone was like, what the fuck is up with this baboon sequence? <laughs> yeah, like, was that in the script or did somebody, in the original script or did somebody say, you know, what we really need to shake things up a bit. <laughs> An animal, an animal attack scene. It's like, okay, should we have like a dog or something? No, I, no, no, I'm no. Bigger. My, my cousin Diana, she's got a baboon. I can get it for cheap. I love it. Do it. Oh, that's good because we've got twenty-five million dollars worth of tacos we'll feed, coming we'll, from say, Austin. We'll feed, we'll feed us a barbecue chicken. Yeah. It'll be great. Yeah, exactly. That's it's the, like that that's erotica sequence where they, where they, where they're riding horses, and you're like, why are they riding horses? Because. He's got a coupon for horses. Yeah. He's gonna use a coupon. I got a free baboon coupon, y'all. You wanna put I, got a, I got a great deal. I got a great deal on baboons from Groupon. Jimmy, my ape guy's got a baboon who he says is magnetic on camera. It'll show you its ass for free. Wait till you see this ape's ass. You won't see anybody else's asses, but you'll see that baboon's ass. It's going to be so fun picking the subtitle for this episode. We have so many options. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, before we announce what we're covering next week, um, Patrick and Gina, first of all, thank you again for, I I think four times might be our record for guest show. Oh, I love that. I think so. I think so. I think so. Um, Thank you both for coming on to talk about this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let us let us and our listeners know where can people find you on social media uh i write about movies and television at the spool.net i have a Substack, gina watches things.substack.com and joe and i work together on a little project called white ladies in crisis uh in which we talk about movies in which ladies lose their marbles uh mm-hmm. you can find us on um you look for us there we do that that's a right now that's a monthly we were doing weekly when we were covering uh the tv series physical now we're back to month my month basis and uh gene and i uh co-host kill by kill where we talk about horror movie characters um and that uh <laughs> against our better judgment comes out weekly i'm sorry your delivery of characters there was sometimes sometimes characters. sometimes they they it's a very very generous description to call them characters well i think that's the hook honestly there's a reason why people don't talk about horror movie characters because they are paper thin they're paper people and we try to make sense of them all in the order in which they die Mm -hmm. um we've just started season five on the show where we are talking about the evil dead franchise and vampires so we're talking about uh those are two franchises this and and then we you know pick goofy things in between we talk about music videos that kill people's careers stuff like that (laughs) gina and joe i do want to say um, so for your podcast in my head i know it's white ladies in crisis but every time in my head i'm like i I call it white women in trouble and i was like it's it's the same thing same diff well so I, my husband and I rewatched Scary Movie uh, last weekend for Halloween, and th- there's the part they, they're they're ripping off Scream where she's doing like the computer like uh, call to the nine one one. Oh yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But her her emergency is white woman in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to the cops pulling up, and you can hear on the radio like, "Oh, we got a white woman in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> It's a classic that never goes out of style. <sighs> okay, but if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers. Shoot us an email at HorrorQueers at gmail.com. Find us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we've covered. Go to our YouTube channel to watch our Chucky reviews, which I uh, just finished uh, a couple weeks ago. It's it's uh, Season 3, Part 1? 
We'll yeah, get the next three A. Three A. Yeah, we'll call it three A. We'll get it again next season, next year. Uh, who knows when? Uh, and also, tune in once a month to hear about our most anticipated horror films for that month. If you want to chat with other listeners, please join our Facebook Horror Queers group. Uh, go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we have a recent one star review that comes down on me that I would love to get buried. So please <laughs> bury that shit. And if you want even more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. If you subscribe today, you'll get 271 hours of Patreon content, including this month's new episodes on Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor, Birth, Rebirth, (laughs) The Fall of the House of Usher, Five Nights at Freddy's, Thanksgiving, and our audio commentary for the month on the original 1988 classic Child's Play. Yeah, our boys turning 35. Yes, but Joe, (laughs) even though next week is not the last week of November, it is (laughs) our concluding week of uh, toxic masculinity. This is true. Yeah, we, I I don't know, I was thinking about this today and I was like, if people want more, go back and listen to that app pupil episode because that's all about toxic masculinity for Mm -hmm. sure. It it is a full on yikes, Gina. That's a super yike. (laughs) Gina, I would recommend, so you, you listen to that episode and then you follow it up by listening to last week's episode episode on dead girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's sexual assault for the ages but um unfortunately we're not done with that topic because we are going to close out this theme by talking about uh uh, this is going to be interesting because of course one of the actors has transitioned so it's going to change some of the framing but we are talking about a sexual predator as we close out toxic masculinity with hard candy. Man, you are. Uh, this, this is a breath mm. of fresh air compared to the... <laughs> yeah, this, this is fun time yes. for y'all. And, and what's, we don't have a guest on next week, so it's just me and Joe talking about <laughs> pedophilia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drilling in on ice Did and balls. Did you guys like, reach out to people who are like, no, I don't want to talk about that movie? <laughs> no. I, 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 think, I think, honestly, because we try to leave like one or two every... like two months to be like let's let's have a one with just us and Mm -hmm. um this was it this was it (laughs) (laughs) i mean hard candy is actually a pretty beloved film so it's a great great movie it's just heavy as hell yeah it's just a hard watch we're we're gonna have so much fun question Mm -hmm. mark talking about (laughs) hard candy enjoy yes (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot of raised cool. affectations at the end of question <laughs> basically but um yeah until then uh we can cross out murder by num- wait I-, I don't know how it goes it's murder, murder by, by murder, murder, murder by numbers, numbers. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> it's as easy to run as you oh, I'm not a singer by oh, boy. <laughs> please please leave that in <laughs> Joe, finish it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, sorry, I've got cross out horror queers. Mm-hmm.